There are good nil-nils. There are bad nil-nils. And then there are bad nil-nils that you are emotionally invested in, Amit. And that is what you have just witnessed. An objectively bad game that still made you get very sweaty and very tense. And a relatively meaningless nil-nil draw for the United States, at least in terms of the World Cup. How you feeling? I think going in the Iran result over Wales made this game kind of uh, a little more palatable for the nerves, for the heart. Because the, there was no result that was going to eliminate U.S. or get them through. And, yeah, it was like being put through the ringer for uh, uh, two hours. But it comes, it still comes down to Tuesday. That's the one where we've somehow shifted the big game to the last game. So, yeah. And, look, this game would have been better with the goal. But it, it, it sucked to be a part of. And Harry Kane very nearly, very nearly ruined... Lots of uh, lots of days, so we survived. I guess we should have won, but it's fine. That's what what else what else is there to say? There's a lot to say, and that's why we have this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is the right. World Cup after our podcast. We're not ending it there. I'm Austin <laughs> Miller. He's a Mitt Malik. Uh, let's get right into it with this USA nil nil result with England. Mitt, I said in the in the little open there, a relatively irrelevant result in that because of what Iran did against Wales, and we'll break down that game in a second, it doesn't change much for the U.S. having two points against having one point. The difference is, should Wales somehow beat England, the U.S. would be better positioned to top four-point England and four-point Wales, which could theoretically be relevant because I think you have the tendency to say, oh, Wales will never beat England. But based on what we've seen in this tournament, anything can happen. So it's not a completely irrelevant draw. But the easiest path forward for the U.S. is the same, regardless of whether they had drawn or lost this match. They need to beat Iran in the last game and go from there. So, going into this tournament, we had the whole idea of the bell curve, right? The bell curve for the U.S. They have underperformed that bell curve. And because of that slight underperformance, what we had expected would be a final match against Iran that determines everything is still a final match against Iran that determines everything. It's just instead of winning or drawing to go through, you now have to win to go through, most likely, depending on what happens. And No, you do have to win to go through because if you draw Iran, it stays through. So you have to win to go through. How are you feeling? What's your temperature at this point? Listen, if you said that we were into the last day at a win and you're in, you take that scenario, right? You're not dead. You are favored against Iran, I think just slightly, probably, but you're favored. Um, and you go and get it, right? This is what it takes. You have one game to get into the knockout round. I do agree that the U.S. is slightly underperformed in terms of results, but the performances themselves have been pleasant surprises for the U.S. I think they outplayed England in this game. And that's partially due to England's setup, uh, what Southgate did, and England didn't particularly play well. There wasn't a lot of chances to go around. There were maybe five, six, half chances at best. But the U.S. had four of them, yep. right? Um, they had a Pulisic shot that hit the bar. They had a desk in the box. He cooked and he got deflected. And The McKinney chance in the first Yeah, half. they had a cross that fell to him and he just blazed it over. So, like... Yeah, the U.S. played better. That, that's a really good sign. If we were, if you, if you had told me these were the two U.S. performance just levels, uh, and you just you know kind of threw that at me, I'd be like, oh, the bell curve is ahead of schedule. But yeah, there the are results, four points. 
Yeah, right? you would think that. And then they'd be easy, you know, easier sitting ahead of this last game. But no, they're going to have to go get it. So I, I think you outlined the context well, but for U.S. fans, for the U.S. team, like, it's an okay spot to be in. It's going to be really tough that you right. have to get a win, not a draw, because Iran are very tough to play against. I think it makes England's result against Iran a little more impressive, but yeah. you could also say that maybe England were lucky to to score um, one, two goals right away, and then it was kind of out of bed. Iran were very good in their performance against Wales, so it's going to be a very tough game. Then maybe when we talk about both, we can look at that game a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. So I, I want to kind of get into this game a little bit and make a couple of points. So the U.S., they outplayed England. I think that's probably a fair thing to say, but I don't think it's not like they were playing England off the pitch and dancing. Around. Totally. The, the U S certainly outperformed their expectations. And so if you're grading on a curve, the U S had a significantly better performance today than England did. I thought England were dull. I thought they were dross and I thought they approached this match pretty wrong in that they were ultra conservative in a position in which they didn't have to be. And I, I kind of get it from the perspective of, this point makes going through a lot easier. They can play for a point against Wales, et cetera, et cetera. But come on, you're England. Look at the amount of talent that you have. Like at some point, England needed to look at the players on the U.S. back line and be like, this is a massive mismatch. All due respect to Nashville SC's Walker Zimmerman and relegation candidate Fulham's Tim Ream and Sergio Dest and Anthony Robinson, like those players are not the caliber of players that should be able to completely leave England without chances. But England allowed them to do that because they didn't play forward thinking front forward football. And they just were dull for 90 minutes. They didn't do anything really. They kind of had more possession for the first 15 minutes, but after that they didn't do anything. And yeah, Harry Kane almost had a header out of nowhere because that's what Harry Kane can do. But this was a really disappointing perspective performance, I should say, from England because it just felt like this was a game that they should have been able to win relatively easily, and they didn't because they didn't try to, right? And that sat wrong with me, and I think that was a mistake from Southgate. And it might not cost them anything. They might still just top the group. But, like, come on, dude. At some point, let your big multi-bajillion-dollar players who are playing for the massive clubs have a go at an MLS level back line, right? Like do something. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard to disagree with you. I, this is what Southgate has done. This is his yeah. track record at major tournaments. He sets his team up not to fail and he sets his team up to get in knockout knockout round games. And then from there to play conservatively and give themselves the best chance to go through. It's ugly and it's worked, but he could have been burned in this game if the U.S. scored a goal. And what? If this back line was in the Premier League, it'd be harder to be better than Fulham's. Right. Like, And if you look at this attacking line in the Premier League, it's all guys from top six teams. So yeah. if, that was, if this was a normal game outside of this context, this would be as disappointing as you pointed it out. But Southgate is a very playing the, the situation manager, but he's almost gotten too cute with it. And it was all the I adjectives just, you described. It I just toothless. didn't think this wasn't a situation that need to be played. Right. Yeah. Like I, I understand that. And I have a respect and understanding for approaching a game in that manner, but it you didn't, didn't need to need be. to you're yes. on three points already. You thrashed around. You have a very limited Wales team coming forward. 
there's no real danger here for England, right? Like they're they haven't gotten themselves into a tricky situation in this group. They're gonna be fine. Like go yeah, play. I know. I think they respected the United States a little too much, particularly the back line, which is weird for Southgate to do that, to just look at the talent and think that was the approach. But I think you do have to give some credit to the U.S. midfield, which Absolutely. played very yes. well. Yes. They were physically all over the pitch. They you know, made life difficult for England to build up after the first 15 minutes, and then they couldn't really get the ball to the attackers. But when it happened, Saka on the right was very good against Robinson. Um, you know, when Grealish came in, he was very good against Dest. Sterling was good against Dest. And it was like, why don't we get more numbers to get in these attacking, the most dangerous positions, right? One-on-one on the fullbacks, overloading the fullbacks. And they just didn't want to because they were respecting the U.S.'s speed and transition, which, like, no. I get I get it, but it's it's really no. cowardly. It, it yeah. just is. And it's... He's not Southgate and this team are not are going to get punished for it yet. So <laughs> I'm I'm with you. I think the U.S. did yeah, really and, and well, look, though. All of that is not to say that the U.S. didn't have an above average performance here. Based on yeah. expectations, I think the U.S. had a good performance. Like you said, the midfield was really good. They dominated the game. They forced Southgate into bringing on a defensive midfielder in Henderson to try and take control of the midfield back. That's a win for the U.S. to be able to yeah. do that. I thought the tactical setup was fine. I think this is a team that's lacking an out-and-out goal scorer. That is obviously going to hurt. It's a team that didn't take the half chances they created. And a lot of times international football, that's the difference. But all in all, this is a pretty good performance in the U.S. I think Burhalter didn't get a lot wrong. Again, I think he was a bit too slow on the trigger on potential changes. I think given what we kind of laid out as far as the difference between a loss and draw not being that big, I think they probably could have used somebody like Aronson or Reyna earlier in the match. But all that said, this was a perfectly fine performance. This was a good performance from the U.S. And I think that will give them a bit of confidence going forward, even if it doesn't necessarily change their actual situation. Um, The midfield was good, like you said. I think Pulisic wasn't quite as impactful in the game as he was against Wales. I think the attackers were a bit... Uh, were neutered a bit, and some of that credit goes to Big Harry Maguire, right? Like he, he was, had a good game. Yeah. He was very good in transition because that's the way the uh, U.S. was looking to play. Yeah, they were looking to win the ball and attack quickly. Pulisic, Wea were running, um, and Haji Wright is a transition forward. And every time the U.S. went down that right channel, they just there was like a, a ton of balls that were like, oh, one step or one bounce, and then you're in on goal. And Maguire did a very good job to snub them out. And then also Dest, you know. And he also played he, winger at one moment. There was one corner that spat out to him on the wing. And he's like, oh, I guess I got to cook. And it was the slowest cook you've ever seen. And it was not effective. But it was fun. It was fun. I also, you know, I was clamoring for this game for Dest to be left on the bench. And I think overall he was fine. He yep. he had some good attacking He certainly did not cost them defensively. And that he is your it. big concern. And that was really good job by him. Good job by the game plan. England didn't press him, uh, not in terms of pressing him, but like England didn't ask that many questions of him, which that's their fault. So, yeah. And I I think think having Dest in the game worked for the U.S. because of how England was set up. He was necessary to do what they wanted to do because England played back and more defensive than we kind of expected. Having Dest in the game was an asset for the U.S. Yeah. Berhalter got 
almost yeah. all the questions right. Uh, you know, I was saying, let's press a little more. And he didn't necessarily do that. The U.S. controlled the game, yeah. but more by sitting deep and then transitioning and forcing England to leave guys back so the U.S. could slowly creep the lineup over the course of the game. Um, the midfield was good. Haji Wright didn't do a lot, but the, the U.S.'s finishing issue is the big problem, and it will be magnified a hundred times against Iran. And there's also nothing you can do about it. Like there's nothing Greg Berhalter can do about that within the next five. Like it is what it is. You have the players that you have. Uh, Maybe Brandon Vasquez would have (laughs) helped. I mean, talk about Mexico and and U.S. leaving the goal scorers uh, on the, uh, uh, off the plane. But another part of it is like U.S. had a lot of set piece chances and Pulisic has been largely wasteful with his delivery. And he got. He had a few good ones. There was one where Zimmerman was a McGuire head away from a wide open header. He almost, you know, not nah, Zimmerman it was, also it had a big block. I think we haven't mentioned that. Kane, yeah, he very did. early in the game, Kane had one of his peak chances where the ball just spits out to him, and Zimmerman had a very good block where he Kane, did. you could tell, was totally looking to go through his legs because he saw the opening, and Zimmerman did a pretty good job of sitting yeah. him close to block it away. Yeah, which um, is. Yes, I, I like what you bring up up about set point about set pieces because if you don't have good goal scorers from open play, you yeah. have to take advantage of those opportunities. And England is a hard team to do it against. I understand that. Kane They're very really tall on the back line. Set pieces. Maguire's a big ogre. Like I get that it's hard, but the delivery has to be better in those cases. So, anything else that you want to talk about within the context of this game, or should we move quick to Iran Wales and then circle back to the final day of this group? Matt Turner did make one good save. Yep. Um, he was a little adventurous in the buildup in the closing stages, but yeah. it was good to see the U.S., you know, try to get after it. This was this was a game that we and I specifically could go into a lot because of how much it meant, but on the whole, it was two teams trying not to hurt themselves, and they didn't. And the yep. U.S. was the better of it, which was maybe unexpected, but it's hard to parse out whether that was – a really exceptional performance by them or England respecting them too much. In any case, both teams will walk away with the point feeling fine. It's all on the U S let's talk about Wales around the early morning game that rumors have it Amit was enjoyed in the Amit Malik household with 5. AM pumpkin pie Thanksgiving leftovers. It was, it was halftime needed a little, <laughs> need a little pick me up to get through uh, hits different. Hits different at that time. It was really good. It was really good. This was a good game. This was a very intriguing game. Wales was a lot worse than they were in the second half against the U.S. I think Wales played to kind of the level we expected them to have. And circling back to the U.S. quickly, that kind of makes you feel even worse about the point that the U.S. got on the first day, seeing how bad Wales were here. Iran were a different team. And I think a lot. Of, some of that certainly had to do with Osman being able to start up top with Taremi. I think that pairing was much more effective for Iran. They saw a lot more of the ball. They weren't trying to play as defensive. And they huffed and they puffed. And for 98 minutes, they didn't blow the house down. And then a ball spat out to a center back who plays domestically in Iran. And admit, he just had a hit and he found the back of the net. And that made it 1-0. They added one later for 2-0. This was a really fun, emotional, super important match that now makes this group really exciting on the last day. And you had to feel good for Iran because there's so much swirling around this team. The players didn't sing the national anthem on day one. They sang the national anthem today. There's a lot going on. And you could see that for 
these 26 people that are on the field for them, it meant a lot for them to win this match. And it was a well-deserved win in all three points. Absolutely deserved to go to Iran on this occasion. And they're going to the semifinals. Still very alive. Very alive. Uh, This was a great performance from Iran for all the reasons you highlighted. I think you have to give credit to Carlos Carroche for the, I mean, you know, it was good that he had Osmond available seemed like Osmond is struggling every minute with some health issue, but he totally changed their ability to play with the ball. He gives you dynamism going forward. He also can hold it up. Really good link up with Taremi. Iran were able to control this game. And I, your point about Wales, you know, that U S point against it looking worse in hindsight is true. I think Wales, they're good. They have quality, but they not, they're not deep and they can't, bring they can't put their foot in a game for that long so they yeah. had a good half against the u.s and they didn't rotate so like they weren't really they going to, they don't I, you know, they don't have guys so yeah. they tried what the first 15 20 minutes of this match they tried to match iran they did have a little going forward but it was very clear after the initial you know burst of adrenaline wears off iran were all over them and then it became a case of one's what's the what's going to break the dam and it wasn't hitting the post on two consecutive strikes and then a no, save. That, that moment was, was absurd. And it was after Iran got their goalkeeper sent off. Wayne Hennessy just decided Which, to go for a walk, whacks the Iranian player in the face uh, with a high kick, initially given yellow, VAR gives it a red. That at least gave Iran a bit more space and put a backup keeper in the game. And who knows, maybe their starting keeper makes the save, right? I, I think so. It's hard to know if Hennessy would have made the save, but it was a win to get them down to 10. That's yep. part of breaking a team down and having good attack. And they they deserved it. They played in over the top. They had, you know, the ability to stretch Wales' back line with the U.S. couldn't do outside of the goal they scored. Yeah. So Iran deserved to be up 11 to 10 men. And then you make, you make your own luck. Yes, was it a center back hitting a 25-yard shot? Okay, but he put it in the corner and the backup goalkeeper couldn't get it. Iran... Yep totally deserved this um and the legs too right it was the 98th minute it's 10 once Wales you're down were to gassed Wales were gassed and then you're chasing with 10 men you're even more gassed and unfortunately like when you play Bale and Aaron Ramsey like you don't have enough going forward either well and <laughs> that's the thing Wales got nothing from their midfield in this yeah they, Aaron Ramsey was a net negative he's a player who looks like he's trying to do all of the things that he was once able to do, and he just cannot do them anymore. He's trying to play balls that he used to be able to play, and he just can't. He got taken out. A very clearly not 100% Joe Allen got put in and was at fault for both of the goals. Gave away the ball that eventually led to Ron's first goal. And then in a scramble situation when you're trying to attack, gives away the ball again, and that leads to it being 2-0. Yeah. I don't think that's as, a, that big of a deal. But – Look, this Wales team is not deep. They don't have very many players, and the ones that they have were very tired. Yeah. Bad recipe. Bad recipe, and that was their – they put in their best shift in the second half against the U.S., and to win this game, they needed to score a moment from Bale or Moore early, and Kiefer Moore had a cross into the box uh, when this game was kind of going both ways, and it was a really good cross and a good contact, but it went right to the Iran keeper, and – they didn't really have a better chance than that the whole game. So Yep. Going forward in this group now, very finely poised. I think the US 
knows what they have to do. They have to beat Iran. I think Iran are very happy with their situation. Going into this World Cup, their goal was probably to get to the last game where a point gets you through. That's the situation that they've created for themselves. England, for all of their backwardsness, for all of their unaggressiveness, go into the last game, a point gets you through, and potentially tops the group. A win tops the group. Wales, tough situation. You have to beat England. You have no legs, and you're counting on Aaron Ramsey to do things. Probably not great looks for them. This group is super interesting, and all of the attention will most likely be on this USA-Iran game because it's probably going to decide everything. Totally. It will. It's very exciting, and the pressure's on the U.S. to attack a bunkered-in Carlos Carroche team. And I don't think he's going to be fully, like, 10 men back on the box from minute one because they know they can hurt the U.S., and a goal yep. makes it that much harder for the U.S., so don't. I don't expect them to fully bunker uh, the longer it goes, the more they will. But it's really interesting lineup selection for Greg. Less so for Karosh, who you, you kind of expect what he's going to put out. And then it's a question of, like, how aggressive does the U.S. get from the start, knowing they need three, but knowing how dangerous Iran is. Right. Iran looked so much better with Taremi and Osmond up top. It's hard to overstate how much more dangerous they looked. And those guys are fast. U.S. center backs have not really been tested for pace yet. Like. Yep. The, we, you know, England is fast, but Southgate, you know, kind of hurts them. And Kane himself is not fast. He's yep. he's going to drop deep to get the ball. This is like, all right, are Reem and Zimmerman going to have to do some two-on-two, two-on-one defending? And like, what we saw from Iran today, they were very good in those situations. They didn't lead to their goals, but they created good opportunities in situations where Taremi and Osman were playing two-on-two two against those center backs, and then other players were coming up. Yeah. Big loss for Ron. They won't have Jahan Bash. He got a cheap yellow card in this game, yeah. second yellow card. I think that's a player that could have done them some good here. And and, I, go ahead. Yeah. And uh, Kairos didn't start him. You know, yeah. I think maybe hoping that he would be available yeah. legs-wise because that was Ron's, like, one of their wrinkles in, yeah. in this tactically, and he, it hurts a bit. Yeah. I think you're exactly right in that Iran are not go going to park the bus from the start of this game. They're going to look to be aggressive on the – they're not going to look to dominate possession. They're not going to look to pin the U.S. back or anything like that. But they are going to allow – they're going to hope that Asmoon is healthy enough to start. They're going to hope that Taremi is good up top. And they're going to play those two guys up top. And they're going to look for every opportunity to put pressure on the U.S. back line because this game changes completely if they get a goal and all of a sudden the U.S. need to yeah. come back and win. Because they have the fact – that when in doubt, they can always just park it and play for the draw and then adjust if necessary. They'll be a bit more aggressive going for the win, I think, and going for an early lead in this game. Totally. I think you'll see a, a, a good first half from Iran. They won't settle. What makes this game really interesting is if the U.S. scores first and Iran yep. has to come chase it and change everything mid-game. And Iran showed they can press. They can. Yeah. They, they're not the most comfortable, but they ran all over Wales, who, again, not good, but the U.S. back line hasn't, you know, the, the, the second half against Wales, Wales, not even a good team, was able to pin them in. So that, yeah. that that's really interesting if that happens because then just one goal gets Iran through. It's like a Champions League second round where one goal can kind of yeah. do everything. So um, is, it, uh, it's really is, fascinating. Uh... Are those beads of sweat I already see developing on your face? Are you already <laughs> yeah, getting nervous about this one? Totally. This is this is what eight years leads up to. This yep. is the standard for success or failure is judged on whether or not you win this game. And it's an opponent that is more than game for it, 
very talented but beatable. And then you add in the layer of all the drama with yeah. Iran, all the geopolitical tension. Uh, what hat? Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's gonna be awesome. And the just just from the moment. Like, we get to Tuesday, it's going to be crazy. When they broadcast starts, the anthems are going to be so charged. Like, oh, man. It's going to be a great uh, World Cup atmosphere. I think Alexi Lalas has got something ready to to spit it out. I don't want to talk about Alexi. Well, he does. He does. (laughs) Um, Are you or are you not already dreading the inevitable England-Netherlands quarterfinal garbage fest we're going to be fed? That'd be terrible. That'd be terrible. I think it's going to happen. It could happen. Um, Look, let's switch to Group A here. Ecuador really good in getting a 1-1 draw against the Netherlands, who had a very low XG. I think the James Rodriguez Memorial breakout star of the tournament could be Cody Gakpo. He scored again. And from then on, the Netherlands basically did nothing. Ecuador were well-deserving of their goal after having one chopped off earlier. This was really good from Ecuador. A bit of a shame they didn't get all three points. And man, the Netherlands are just a stereotypically boring European squad. This kind of went the way we thought it would, where the Netherlands defensive setup was going to give Ecuador space to run through the midfield, win second balls. And then Ecuador did good to turn that into uh, consistent, sustained pressure. And they got a lot of shots off. They they really peppered the box. And look, it's a rebound for Valencia. That, that counts. That was yep. very good. Ecuador probably should have had another in this game. Um, I think they could, they still can get out of this group, but I, it's a little tougher with the draw. Yeah. I mean, they're favored. They're favored. You yeah. have to beat Senegal. I think that's a good situation for them. This game, I think was actually helped for Ecuador by the fact that the Netherlands scored early because there was no kind of temptation to sit back and to absorb. Pre- they had to right. go play from the start. And when they did, they were able to show how good they were. Moises Caicedo, fantastic in this match. Enter Valencia yeah. still on hot form for Ecuador. They're a really good team. They're a really fun team, and they have so many guys that are 24 years or younger. This is absolutely a team that will be one to watch out for four years from now, but is also one that can make some noise at this World Cup and has set themselves up well in this group. And the Netherlands, man, they're just laboring, laboring. Yeah, it's. I think it's the product of having a slow back line, and DeHaul, uh, Van Hall has to play three center backs because they are three of the best players out of their best 15 or 16. And I think it's just their system, right? They've been rolling the system for a long time. They'd be uncomfortable um, in something else. So it's, it's nice when Gakpo can do crazy things. And Frankie Jong wasn't very good in this game. He was very sloppy with the ball, but he is a quality guy. Like the, the Netherlands are, are, are fine. I think they're fine, but from our point of view, where we're really scrutinizing them, they're not up to what they're not up to as their billing as a contender or a top eight team, but they're gonna have a chance in whoever they play in the knockout rounds. Yeah. So that's assuming what, they annoying. go on to win this group, which you would expect considering they play Qatar on the final day. Uh, I think this is a, a game that whether it's the U.S. or or Iran, whoever comes out, will look at the Netherlands and say. That's a pretty accessible – as far as round of 16 World Cup matches go, you'll take your hand with the Netherlands being the group yeah, winner that sits the, across. The U.S. just played England today yep. and kind of dominated the, the proceedings. Yeah. They didn't, you know, didn't deserve to win by any means, but they were better. They could be better against the Netherlands in the same type of game style. It's, uh, it's annoying what Van Hall and Southgate are doing, 
but they're managing it like seasoned European vets. Like, oh, we just got to get to the knockouts and we just got to do this. Like, they're doing it like they're too cynical. And it's like, you know, yeah. have some belief in your team. It's the group stage. Like, nothing's going to happen and to you also, going forward again, against Ecuador or yeah. in Netherlands. USA. Look at your group. Nothing's going to happen. You're fine. You I already know, got through I know. the two hard games. Other game in this group, Qatar 1, Senegal 3. Senegal were all over Qatar. Qatar were better in this game. I think they were much more of the team that we've seen from them in other major tournaments where they have moments, they tempt you a little bit, they test you a little bit. Uh, bad defending on a, on the first goal from Senegal. Really bad defending. Absolute gift. Qatar scored. They made it 2-1. It was like, oh. And then Senegal scored to win this. This was what Senegal needed to do. And this was a pretty bad World Cup for Qatar on the football pitch and probably off it as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, they they missed their chance in game one to play better and get a result. And yeah, Senegal bossed them the whole way. This is a good Senegal team. And I think Senegal-Ecuador is really fun. The pressure's yep. on Senegal in that game to get it done. And I do think Ecuador is clearly surprised us as one of the most surprising teams this tournament so it will be good but maybe in hindsight Qatar should I don't know if you're surprised I was a little bit surprised with how poor they've been we both yeah. liked their past tournament results but maybe in hindsight it should have been clear I don't know yeah I mean I never expected them to be playing really incredible football having good runs but like this was a team that was a generally mediocre international team right like yeah they should have been better like, I think they should have been better. I don't know if the results should have been better, but, like, I think they should have been able to show a bit more. And at points, they kind of did today. But at the end of the day, they just weren't at the level of the teams that were in this group and didn't put in the performances necessary. And now they get the Netherlands on the last day. So in this group, Amit, Netherlands on four points playing Qatar, Ecuador on four points playing Senegal, who have three points. Ecuador know that a draw send them through a win and they could set up a goal differential battle with the Netherlands to actually top this group. The Netherlands could still theoretically be put out of this group, but it's not going to happen because they play Qatar. Qatar are officially eliminated. This group comes down to Ecuador, Senegal, kind of like we expected from the start, but Ecuador have gotten themselves the advantage by picking up the point against the Netherlands in that they go through with the draw. It's an exciting last day. Yeah. It is, for the reasons you mentioned, and it, it's interesting to see how attacking Senegal can get because, you know, they were good money for their three goals today, but this may be one of their concerns, obviously without Sadio Mane, but then just given what we've seen is can they, you know, score consistently from open play against a very good defense yep. in Ecuador, who, if there was any a time for them to, to you know, be resort. conservative and yeah. resort to their, like, game their original game plan this would be the time i don't it's similar to what we talked about with iran i don't think they'll do it from the start i think they will also it's in and ecuador's interest to control this game by winning the midfield there's too much talent there's too much talent for that to be your go-to plan but they'll always have that in their back pocket and they can afford to be conservative in this game but like look you're gonna want the idea of gonzalo plata and caicedo and valencia having opportunities to make plays in this game. That is to Ecuador's benefit in the grand scheme of things. And I think Ecuador can have half an eye on trying to win this group, right? Like because of the way the point situation is, they're in decent shape to to have a go and try and win this group. They have two goals against Qatar. You'd expect the Netherlands to probably do that. 
But also, based on what we've seen from the Netherlands, they might just sleepwalk through this Qatar game, and that could open a door for Ecuador to actually win this group. So I think it's interesting. I think so. I do think Van Hall, given what we talked about him being a, I'm putting an air quote, seasoned European manager, will recognize the importance of trying to avoid yep. England if you're yep. trying to make a run so that it's in your best interest to put three past Qatar. But everything you, everything that we thought about the Netherlands maybe being slightly fraudulent in terms of a top-tier contender has come to roost. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if Hear me out. The home soil boost finally oh. kicks <laughs> I'm joking. I'm the joking. Home soil boost. <laughs> For an already – no, I'm joking. I had to sneak that in there. Qatar is eliminated. There's no can, home uh, soil boost. Can we get the third Qatari goalkeeper? Can we just do the the uh, Osorio, Juan Carlos yeah. Osorio for Mexico and just play all the goalkeepers, rotate it yeah. through? Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk tomorrow quickly, Amit. You got sweaty today. It's my turn to get sweaty tomorrow. It's your turn to get sweaty tomorrow again. The main event tomorrow, Mexico-Argentina, last game of the day. The pressure is on Argentina because if they lose, odds are they are done at this World Cup. We'll wait to see what happens between Poland and Saudi Arabia earlier. But it is definitely in their best interest to not lose. It is almost assuredly in their best interest to win this game. Do you think they can do it? <laughs> I I just think the desperation for Argentina trumps the should could if we play well for Mexico. That's okay. the way I see it. Uh, and, and Argentina is the better team. They were objectively unlucky to lose yep. to Saudi Arabia, and I know it's hard to not panic because. Yep. This is a game that if 20 minutes in, Mexico score a shot goal or Mexico is defending well, the natural response is to panic. So yeah. it's, it's the pressure is on Argentina, which should be freeing for Mexico. But listen, if there was a squad to handle the pressure, it's Argentina. This is, this is your World Cup. It, it doesn't matter when the moments come. It does, but uh, 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 you just made me feel so bad with what you just said. I just got, uh, I got all clammy and nervous. The moments come because any team has to go through them. Like, yes, yeah. the best teams maybe don't sweat until a quarterfinal, but we know that's not how it works. You can't panic that it's game two and your World Cup is on the line, even though if you like, I, I'd panic, but like, yeah, but like, but like, in terms of your approach to this game, you have to go in being confident and boss the game and keep doing what they're doing. Mexico is slow, not going to control the game, and going to give Argentina the bulk of the chances. And they and also can't to... finish. They haven't finished and, at yeah, any point. So, like, you shouldn't be scared of this Mexico team. Argentina yep. should not be scared of this Mexico team. Now, the the context is what makes it tense. And yep. there was no need for the Saudi Arabia game to turn into a horror show for the fat final 30 minutes. What were what? Why couldn't Argentina score? It was bad luck, but they... They were. I said this before. They were shell shocked. So like, this is it. Let's see what's in this Argentina squad's makeup. Is it Scaloni? Is it going to come to roost that he is not an experienced manager and doesn't know how to get through this? They've never dealt with something like this in a major tournament under him. So I think yeah. they'll. I think they'll answer the test. I don't think Mexico's good enough, but it is a crazy game. This is a crazy World Cup. <laughs> if a goal happens. We're all going to be sweating. So yeah, I I believe I believe in Argentina. I don't think their performance was that much for concern, but 
this is what happens in a small sample size. It's sweaty. I think you, you mentioned this. It's absolutely crucial that Argentina gets on the front foot early, and if they could force a goal past quick, I think they that would do a lot to calm the nerves. Because the best case scenario for Argentina in this match is that you look over at that Mexico side, and it's like, oh, here comes Raul Jimenez again. Maybe this is the time when he refines his form, right? The best situation for Argentina is a situation in which Mexico has to try to attack this match because they've just shown that they can't really pull that off at any point in the last, like, 18 months under Martino. They haven't. They ha- They just don't have the legs. And look, I think Edson Alvarez is good. I think Eric Gutierrez is good. I don't think Guardado or Herrera at this point in their career are suited for a game like this. But Hector Herrera, one thing that he does that I like is he takes a lot of shots from distance. He's not afraid to. Yeah. You need... You need a low chance goal to go in. That's what Saudi Arabia did. So, like, you know the the one thing we haven't brought up with this match, and that is the thing that is going to haunt oh, every God. Argentine's sleep oh, tonight. Yeah. Please, please bring it up. They're gonna fall asleep. You know that that fitful sleep where you're not really sleeping, you're kind of sleeping. And there's gonna be this curly haired goalkeeper <laughs> because it's Mexico Memo time, Amit. And just as I was starting to feel good about things. I remember the existence of Mexico Memo, and I am right back to square one, and I am absolutely dreading it. Because yeah. you can just see a brilliant Mexico Memo performance stymieing Argentina tomorrow. Because it's what he does! It's what he does. I think it's funny the way we talk about this game. We're like, Mexico needs X-factors, improbable things to happen. They need luck. They need a shot from distance. Like, there's no reason why Mexico should get through this game, but because it's the World Cup and for all these weird things that we kind of, like, have evidence of weird things will happen, of course Mexico Memo will, like, totally shut him down. And that would, we'd all, we'd be like, oh, of course he did, because he's Mexico Memo, and it's insane. So this is really fun. Less fun if you're rooting for Argentina. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's terrible. So welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, let's touch quickly on the other games that we have tomorrow. Obviously, Argentina-Mexico is the big one. We start off Australia, Tunisia, the the stakes here are pretty clear, right? Tunisia were good in getting a point against Denmark. Australia are bad. Tunisia need to win this game. That should make it interesting. Yeah, this is where Tunisia, the, you had a good performance, but no result, uh, a win to show for in yeah. game one. So let's take care of business. Let's make it as competitive as possible. And I, I don't think Australia has enough to make this interesting, but their World Cup is also on the line. So yep. we'll get desperation from both teams. Uh, neither team can afford to really lose, but I think Tunisia should take care of business. We'll see. Before the World Cup, we thought Poland-Saudi Arabia would be an interesting match. We thought it for different reasons than for what it actually is. But this is now a really interesting match, right? Because it's so- can Saudi Arabia get through this group, right? Okay, you had this performance that was 40% luck, 40% Hev Renard looking beautiful, 20% playing well. You got three points, and now it's like, oh my god, we can get out of the group. But you have to do something to get out of the group. And this game is right. super interesting. Right. I think what, what makes it interesting is that Saudi Arabia don't necessarily need to get lucky to get a result right. against Poland. Yeah. I think Herv Renard might have something in his bag. I think Poland are talking about dull and dour Poland are that and I think Saudi Arabia should look at the Poland performance and be like what are they going to do to hurt us so 
don't be afraid of them. It's so much easier for a non-powerhouse to come into a game and have clarity on how to approach it, where Southgate or Van Hall can be like, we're a big power, let's just be safe. Herb Renard rolled out in an offside trap you find in like high school soccer against literal Argentina, and it worked. So they're not afraid to try something. Go I don't know if he'll do the trap again. I, I can't pretend to know what Herb Renard is cooking. I, it's not like he's a mad scientist. He's it's not, a white, it's but, a white dress shirt. I, yeah, that's all I tell you. That's what just, he's cooking. Yeah, it's a white it's, dress shirt. It's just I I whatever he it is, Saudi Arabia are not going to be afraid in this game, and I think that's what makes it so fun. And listen, listen, Poland is the better team, but Poland have not shown that it's in their DNA to control a game and to create chances consistently. Poland are still at their best, like crossing hopeful balls to Lewandowski. So this could be probably how this game is going to go. Yeah. It's going to be ugly, but because of the stakes, I think Saudi Arabia will happy to muck it up. And the longer it goes, they'll play for a point. And I'm sure they'll be aggressive as needed because Poland are simply not amazing. Maybe a wrinkle is coming for Poland. You know, people, yeah. People are like, well, play a second. Yeah. Play a second. man. Yeah, that's kind of like an MLS bit, but it would help them. It would help them so it's not all on Lewandowski. We'll see that this is a big uh, game for Poland to like quiet the allegations of them being extremely dull. And yeah. I'm not sure they'll answer it, but this is also a game that like Poland could win in a classic like European team gets a few bounces and wasn't that good, but just enough. And Saudi Arabia gets unlucky for how lucky they were. But some would say they're due. Um, yes. I think it's also interesting, two quick points on this. One, Saudi Arabia kind of have house money here. They have three points in their bag in that even if this goes terribly wrong and Lewandowski pops three past them and they lose 3-0, they still have an opportunity against Mexico to play for a chance to get out of the group depending on how the other results go and everything. So I think that's an interesting aspect here. Another interesting aspect, it is really important who wins this group and who finishes second, right? Correct. So... I understand that Argentina's scrap because of the way the first game went is you have to get out of the group. And that is goal number one, but you also really would not like to play France in the round of 16. I think you would like to win this group. And so because of that, this Saudi Arabia Poland game is super interesting because if Saudi Arabia does it again and they win all of a sudden they're on six points and they're cruising towards literally winning this group. And that makes things really interesting for what happens. So this is an important game from that aspect as well. In that this group, in any group, it isn't just about going through. It's about going through and putting yourself in the best position to have success in the knockout rounds. And that best position is not playing France. I agree. Very interesting decisions for Renard to see if he can push, change the expectations mid-tournament, mid-match to what your team could do to maximize your chances of getting as far as possible. So I'm, I'm with you. France-Denmark is the other game that we talked about. France looked really good. Denmark were okay. Um, we kind of thought going in that this could be a game that would determine who would win the group. It now looks like France has the upper hand there. Do we expect France to continue to roll? And if they do, that puts some pressure on Denmark because they're only going to have one point after two matches if France win. The pressure is definitely on Denmark, and they'll be game. I know they'll give France a good game. I think this will be similar to Brazil-Serbia. Um, France is that much better and Serbia were good, but in the way that Brazil didn't have to panic and only slightly kick up 
one gear, not to gear three, four, five to get what they needed. I think if France um, puts together a good performance, they can take care of Denmark. I know Denmark is solid, but like the quality just at every position France showed, they were honestly very positive with the ball and their attacking football. So if they play that way again, I really like their chances just over the course of 90 minutes to will their way to a goal to two and put this out of, uh, uh, put this to bed. That being said, if Denmark muck it up and France doesn't play that way and they kind of do a nation's league, France, Denmark game, Denmark has won those, Denmark won those games. So that's where I don't know. And the pressure is on Denmark to get a point or three from this. So that's where it could go differently. But I just, maybe it's too much stock on France's first game, but I really liked the way they played. And if they do that level of intensity, attacking football, it's hard to see Denmark holding on for 90 minutes. And a big concern for Denmark is if results don't go their way tomorrow, they're going to be staring at a very mutually beneficial draw for France and Tunisia on the last day that would leave Denmark on the outside looking in regardless of what they do against Australia. Yeah. Pressure's on Denmark. See what they can do, but it's a very dicey thing to open yourself up to France. You want nothing more than space to run into an attack. And Mbappe is, you know, I said, oh, he's a little petulant. Uh, I don't like him. He's he looks up for it. He's yeah. a little shot happy, but uh, he's locked in. That France's build up and timing in their attacking third looks like a team that's been doing this for a long time. That's very polished. It was impressive. Let's uh, let's do this again tomorrow, huh? Yeah, we'll and, see uh, how you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's do this tomorrow after a uh, an Argentina win, preferably. And yeah, that the country is. I mean, the country is still going to be the country, but that is yeah. it's feeling happy for at least a day. Right. Sweet dreams about Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Yikes. Uh, this has been the World Cup After Dark podcast. This was fun as always. We'll see you guys again tomorrow because Argentina play and we don't know what's going to happen and it could get scary. So we'll talk tomorrow. We'll try to survive. Until then, thanks for listening as always.